You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock on our app, on TuneIn Radio, and online at acaville.org. At the top of the hour this hour, October Barbershop Events. Within a two-week period in October, there are two amazing barbershop conventions to put on the calendar. First, from October 15 to 20, the Sweet Adelines are having their international convention and competition. Held at the America's Center in St. Louis, Missouri, it features amazing concerts and, of course, the big competitions. Then, on October 31st, Harmony Inc. kicks off their international convention and contests in Orlando, Florida. With vendors, classes, concerts, and competitions galore, both events are going to be a ton of fun. Get info on Sweet Adelines at sweetadelines.com and on Harmony Inc. at harmonyinc.org. Hello, Acaville fans, and welcome to Tacapella, Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. I'm one of your hosts, John Lampus, joined with my co-host, Brian Alexander. Hey, Brian. Hey, John. How's it going? It's going great. Great to have you on again. And today we are joined by my buddy, Jared Zaccaro. Jared, hey, how's it going? It's good. How are you? Dude, I'm good. It's good to hear from you. Good to see you. You you look beautiful as always. It's just great to have you you around. We have a really fun show today, guys. Uh, Me and Brian are going to talk to Jared, uh, who is a member of my old group, the Mountain Horns, about a bunch of fun different acapella topics. Make sure you stay tuned through the whole episode so you can hear our segments. But let's get into it. Jared, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, right now I'm going to be a second year at CSU. Um, My major is graphic design, and I'm in the acapella group Mountain Horns. There you go. That's yeah. that's Thanks. Str- the, straight to the point. Straight know? to yeah, the point. Thanks. We like it. <laughs> Jared, can you tell us about your previous acapella experience before you came to CSU? Because there's a whole story we can dive into about like how you and I met and how that all started. And there's some funny parts to that. But I'd love to just like tell tell us a little bit about acapella for you before you started at CSU. Because I find high school acapella experiences inform what kind of groups people join, what they bring to those groups. And I'd love to hear what you're like pre-Mountain Horns uh, time in acapella was like? Mm -hmm. So my first acapella experience was um, at high school. Uh, It was my senior year. We just got a new choir director. Um, His name is Mr. Cooper, great guy. Um, He was all about acapella. When he was at uh, Michigan State University, he had an acapella group called, um, I think it was the Acafellas. Yeah. Super creative name. Great name. Yeah, they they went to nationals, whatever the um uh, the acapella nationals. I think what is it called again? The ICCAs. There you go. Yeah, they went to that. They got second place, which I thought was pretty cool. So he wanted to start that at my high school. So he started an all male acapella group and then an all female acapella group. And I was in the all male one. Yeah, it was super fun. The name was Synergy. Great name for it. Um, we did a bunch of originals by our acapella um, director, who was our choir director as well. And yeah, it was super fun. He kind of just let us go for it. And it was like a student run thing. And like the contrast between um, high school and college is pretty different in mm-hmm. in the fact that in high school, I mean, it's not like, I mean, not even in college, it's a required thing, but in college, you have more of a drive to do it since you're an adult now and you have to do all this stuff on your own. 
still in high school. Um, it was all student-led. It was kind of tough getting it going because it was run by students and there wasn't somebody there who was like, we got to get this done by that date. But it was a good growth experience for me and my friends musically and just our friendships grew from that. It was really cool. Well said. So I'm, I'm always curious. And I know everyone's experiences are not always mine, but for me, there was a point when I knew that acapella was kind of cool. It was hip. It was something for me. And that was when I found a certain video. You know, I remember uh, coming across a group called On the Rocks back in high school. And they, for me, I knew I was hooked on the the whole idea of acapella when I saw them perform for the longest time. And at the end, they started <laughs> incorporating beatboxing. And that was by far like the coolest thing I had ever seen in acapella up to that point. And so I'm just curious for, uh, for you, was there that defining moment when you were like, hey, acapella is something that I'm invested in now or something that uh, I should take a further look at? Yeah, definitely. Um, first semester of college, we were getting into mountain horns and we did a performance in Old Town and it was a lot of our friends from CSU and around other acapella groups came and we had a great performance and it was just really nice to see all the hard work you put in every week coming to a concert. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the defining moment for me where I was like, yeah, acapella is my thing. Nice. I remember that exact uh, moment you're talking about, Jared. And I think what that kind of touches on is something I've discussed uh, quite a bit in episodes of Tacapella in general in the the kind of the slog phase. It's the very beginning of the year and our slog was a lot harder for us because we had no returning members but myself so it's not like we could you know perform anything we just had to sit there for basically like three months three straight months and just learn music with virtually no positive feedback from learning that it's like they talk about it in teaching it's like if a kid does something good you want to reward that you want to have positive reinforcement and we basically had none of that and you guys had to just kind of trust me in the sense of like guys we just have to do this and it'll be great we definitely had uh, reinforcement from hearing our sound and hearing what we could be but I found that time of the year really basically after auditions at the end of August up to I think our first performance really was like in mid-October or whatever. That was just drill, drill, drill. And I was really impressed that you guys all just stuck with it because it's really hard when you, you're putting in all this work and when do you get the reward? It's like when you study for a big test. It'd be one thing if it's like, I'm studying, I'm studying, I'm studying, I'm taking the test, I'm taking the test. And then like two months later, hey, turns out I got an A. And then you're like, yeah, that was totally worth it. But kind of after you've put in all this work and then that gave us a ton of momentum. So it makes sense that that moment, kind of our first big thing where we, where we had the payoff that that makes sense in my opinion that that would stick with you mm -hmm. so my question is and i i think um this is where kind of me and john relate a little bit or, or a lot is that we both have had the benefits of starting groups you know mm -hmm. being the ones to kind of initiate that process and so for me there have been very few times in my life when i've actually had an audition can you walk us through what that uh audition phase was like for you you know anything stand out uh in your mind from that whole experience um, well, the audition phase, it, it's not as intimidating as it seems right when you get there. I mean, John was super comfortable to be around and sing with. He just checked the range, made you sing a solo and mm -hmm. a couple other things. And that was about it. Yeah. And that was our that was the first part. I remember just going up to Jared and just being like, hey, man, you should audition. And then I think like two days later, he just came in, checked the range, checked the scale. And then we had the callbacks, which I think was the more, yeah. probably what you're talking about, Brian. That, yeah. that was in my, I don't want to say that was the real audition, but that was like, where, okay, who's going to get in a group? Whereas the first part is just like, can you meet the, just the base level? 
Yeah, and the callbacks were where for me it seems like wow, this is this is like a real group because he made us learn like a section of a song and then pretty much almost half of a song that we did sing in mountain horns. And so I had to sit down for a couple hours a day learning that song just to get into the group, which was it was it, it was tough, but it was cool. Yeah, that's what I remember vividly as the callback phase. And for me personally, in my opinion, that's where you kind of begin the attachments to people because, you know, the initial yeah. part is, of course, you're just weeding out, you know, who who's able to, you know, carry pitch, who's able to, you know, sight read or not sight read, depending on what your group is looking for, or who just checks the boxes at the end of the day. And it's not until that callback phase where you really become invested and uh, the people you really start taking notice. Um, so going through with the callbacks or audition phase, um, did you meet people along the way that um, you kind of grew attached to at all? Was it just kind of a solo endeavor? Um, what was the social atmosphere for you personally? So when I decided to join, I talked about it with my three other best friends who I've been best friends for with since my freshman year in high school. And we all went to the same college. We're all living with each other. So, I mean, I have huge attachments to them and they were all there at callbacks. We've all made it in the group and it really, it really made it super comfortable to be there because I've been singing with them for five years. And then it, with that, it was really easy to get to know everyone else in the group too, because I had my three best friends there with me. Yeah, and that's a that's a big benefit, man. I I definitely envy you for being able to have that experience. For me, uh, Super it was rare. pretty much, you know, it's it exactly. It's completely rare for me personally. I didn't have any friends join with me, so someone to walk through that process and people to kind of grow through it. That's really exciting. I think that's super cool. I really actually didn't even think of this. The social connections you make in callbacks and in the audition process, because how I've always viewed it when I am auditioning for something is. I need to be focused totally on making the music and singing the right notes right now. And this other guy looks okay. And this other guy looks, sounds pretty good. And like, honestly, I just kind of almost block out the social elements. And then frankly, I find myself a little, I don't want to say behind, but like it takes mm -hmm. me a little bit to warm up to people when I've just been like competing with them. And yeah. I wonder, and that's just, I think that's honestly just an ego thing on my part, but also <laughs> insecurity of like, okay, that guy's going to do that. And that guy sounds really good. How, how good am I? And I just need to focus on the music, music, music. But callbacks also, and I think this is what you're touching on, Brian, so well, auditions and callbacks in particular are a really unique social atmosphere in that you are connecting with a bunch of different people through the music. You are putting people together who may know each other, who may not know each other and seeing if their voices fit. And then I think that sparks a bit of a social connection. I know I stood next to someone in a callback for a choir in high school. It was a community choir, and our voices did not match at all. But we ended up becoming best friends. And then there's someone else I met. Our voices really matched. And then I felt like kind of a connection to that guy. And there's these, like, social nuances in the process that mm -hmm. I think if we as directors can build upon and highlight, that's going to make, you know, when you actually need to start building the social atmosphere of the group and the connections, that's going to make it so much easier because you'll have already started it like before you even have the group set because you're encouraging socialization, you're encouraging getting to know people and connecting both through music and emotion in like the almost embryo phase when mm -hmm. you're just in callbacks. Yeah. And, you, and you're hitting on it, John. You're talking about this whole idea of structure and as you... As you kind of advance in life and, you know, you progress and evolve and all those things, um, it's important, you know, to just have this sense of, you know, how do I bring structure to everything I'm doing? And I think it's so easy 
to kind of forget at times when you're so passionate about something, especially with music, you know, whether it's music, sports or acting, the theater arts, whatever the thing is, when you go through an audition, it's always competitive. You have to remember at the end of the day, it's always this competitive atmosphere, even if it's something that you truly love. And so I think everything that is being said right now about, you know, about the nerves and comparing yourself to other people, it all stems from this competitive place, although it's passion. Um, in order to evolve and in order to be great, you know, it kind of has to have a little bit of that element, especially yeah. at auditions. Totally. Jared, did you, yeah. what was like your feeling in the callback phase? Because I know it was like probably less stressful than some other people, because again, you had some of your close friends in that room. As I remember, none of your close friends were in your section. Like they weren't learning the same part. What was that like for you kind of being in this uh, you know, we're kind of put under a microscope where I, you're just like, all right, sing this. And now I'm going to hear how you do. What was it like relating to other people? What was it like in that situation in general? Well, in that situation, it, it was pretty intimidating because I think most of the tenor ones were all music majors. So that, that was pretty intimidating. But I mean, I knew my stuff. I learned it um, on that. I'm a musically or it's not musically music score, music score. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I learned on that all yeah. the stuff you. Yeah, Muse score. There you go. And so I learned it on that for a couple of days. I was pretty confident on what I had, but I mean, it was it was still pretty intimidating having the people there, like people who weren't weren't going to make it, people who were. Jared, you mentioned that you and your friends um, did callbacks together, and you did the whole audition process. Was there ever a pact ever made of? Well, if one of us doesn't get in, then others don't get in, because I know that Ooh. friendship and relationships and music can. You know, it can, it can be pretty intense at times, especially for really dedicated choir, choral singers. And so I'm just curious. I want to know this. This is like the inner workings of something I made. Yeah. And now I'm going to find out like all the juicy details. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I mean, before any of us like even decided to audition, we all talked it over with each other. I mean, I, because none of us wanted to do it by ourselves. Of course, we wanted our best friends to be in there. Mm -hmm. But if one of us like didn't make it, I'm, that's a great question. I'm not sure because, oh. yeah. <laughs> the correct I mean, answer I, is, of course you would have. But. I, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I wouldn't funny. say like three, like if three of us made it and one of them didn't, I'm sure the three of us would probably stick with it for a while Yeah. to run it out. But I don't think everyone would like drop out because one person dropped out. If one person dropped out, they would probably... I mean, we're really close friends, so they'd probably be pretty understanding of why the other three would want to stay in the group. Right. And I, and I only bring this up because I think back to my time in the group, and this didn't happen when I first started the group, but um, I think about two years into the group, I actually had a friend, really good friend of mine still to this day. He came in to uh, the university and auditioned for the group, and a very talented musician, but of course there's... It, each member of the group is looking for something different. So for whatever reasons, not everyone voted him. And until this day, he will not let let me live it down that we didn't bring him huh. into the group. Yeah. But we're still best friends to this day. And it's, it's just curious. I'm, I'm curious about that dynamic just because college is such a different experience. You know, you're you're progressing to the next stage of your life. And, you know, sometimes the relationship you have previously in high school don't always transition over. And sometimes they do. They remain yeah. just intact. So it's just very interesting to hear your experience with it. Yeah, that's that's really well said, because it reminds me of I, I remember I went to college with one of someone who is like one of my really best friends earlier in high school. And then we were like decent friends by the time we graduated. And then 
we were both like kind of holding on to each other in dear life when we got to undergrad. So I can totally see how when you're kind of, you know, put under a microscope and you are examined in all these ways and someone tells one of your friends you're good and you're not. And like, that's, I mean, mm-hmm. like if we simplify it down, that tests the relationship that tests how much do you want this group? Is it insulting to the other person if you do it? And this all reminds me actually of a choir that I interned at in Portland and I helped out with the auditions. I didn't see either of these people audition, but it was a husband and wife who auditioned and the husband got in and the wife didn't. So the husband didn't, the husband didn't do the group. I don't know their names. I don't know who they were, but they, they just like explained this to me while I was in the office. And I was like, wow, I never considered the idea of auditioning and someone getting in or not getting in being uh, kind of a barrier between someone. And I think it's also for me, it's about kind of being on even ground. If it's a husband and wife that have, let's say they're married 30 years and on year 31, they're like, we're going to go do a choir thing together. It's like, they're both going in together and, and they've kind of committed to this thing as a unit. That makes sense Mm -hmm. that if that unit is broken, they might not feel as into it. And Jared, I think that's kind of, that makes sense that, I don't know, let's say all four of you auditioned you, Tim, uh, Zach and Brandon, and only, let's say only Brandon got in it changes what you might expect socially from the group you're already in a new place and this is what brian said you're already in a new place because it's college and now you are in an even higher stress situation in a group where you don't know anyone and you don't have any uh any lifelines and i think this was the unique situation of auditioning a whole group at once because i've auditioned Mm -hmm. for stuff with people in my grade and it's like oh they only want people from this grade or this section. So you didn't get in. Um, but when it's everyone kind of, I don't want to say everyone for themselves, but everyone has a pretty good chance of getting in because there's 12 spots. It creates this interesting dynamic of, I don't know, like who's going to get in, who's not. Does that affect how I feel towards you? Are you going to be mad at me if I get in like so many questions and it's, it's kind of, tricky and and for the record all of all four of you just killed it in auditions so there wasn't any i was it was really nice when i was like okay all four of them got in and we even had a a couple that uh actually auditioned together um logan and blaine they both auditioned and they both got in and it's just another kind of dynamic it's another example of this interesting moment where it's like all right we're going in together but it doesn't always work out but for us it did and i think our group was better for it because everyone was super tight what do you think of that jared yeah i mean it definitely helps everyone get comfortable with each other and going back to what brian said about like one of us not making it um in high school we all actually auditioned for the all-state colorado choir and out of the four of us i was the only one who didn't make it and um mm-hmm. i mean i mean it makes sense because um my three best friends are all music majors they all know how to read music and i mean it made sense that i didn't make it but i mean we were, we're st- i mean we're still best friends to this day um it didn't really hinder all of our friendships um i actually went to their all state performance and it was awesome went there That's to support cool. them i mean if if one of us doesn't make it then one of us is going to be there to support the rest yeah, and I love that idea of support. I'm like, it, yeah. it It really makes a moment and an experience at the end of the day. Yeah. So we're going to take one quick break here. We're going to pass it over to Amanda Tran with her segment on Notable Coverage. Uh, Amanda, take it away with Notable Coverage, and we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where vocal music is our forte. Hey 
Hey everyone, welcome back to Notable Coverage, here only on Tacapella. I'm your host, Amanda Tran, and in this week's episode, we are talking about Attention, originally performed by Charlie Puth. Now, Charlie Puth is one of my favorite pop artists nowadays. He has a way with writing and creating melodies that are so simple and catchy and heartfelt, yet he produces and creates instrumentation arrangements in a way that is still interesting, even though it's pop. A lot of pop songs, you can easily kind of work out the chords, but when you listen to Charlie's songs, um, you can tell that there's a lot of thought put into it, and I really appreciate that. Now, for attention, I've been pretty much listening to it nonstop since it came out. I'm literally obsessed with the song, so I was really excited to dive into all of the acapella versions that are out there. Today, we are going to explore two different versions. The first one is by Voice Play. Now, you probably recognize these guys from the sing-off back in the day. Their version of Attention is featuring Rachel Potter, and she was on The X Factor, I believe, and she is an incredible vocalist. I think she had some Broadway experience. She put out some country music. She sings pop. She can pretty much sing anything because her voice is just that amazing. You can tell she's trained. She's so controlled. Her range is crazy. And yeah, I love this version because voice play, including Anne and Rachel, um, they are such clean singers. They sing with such precision and such clarity. And I just really appreciate their musicianship and they can really riff off. And it's, I love it. I love riffs. I love when people overdo riffs and it's not done till it's overdone, as you usually like to say. <laughs> and this version is super clean, super crisp, and they really executed it really well. It has a very... Um, it almost fa- sounds like a club remix, which I love. It feels faster because it's so much more rhythmic than the original version. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this version by Voice Play featuring Rachel Potter. Baby, you just hate the thought of me with someone new. Yeah, you just want attention. I knew from the start. You're just making sure I'm never getting over. You just wanna. What are you doing? Attention is by Forte Acapella. This is the high school group, which is, it still blows my mind that these kids are this talented at this age. Um, But every time they put out a video, a cover, anything, it's always high quality. And yeah, I really look up to these kids and I love what they're doing in their program. Their version of Attention features two of their student soloists. A lot of times they bring in guest soloists, but I really love that they featured their current students in this one. Um, It's a very much a more um, slow, very much more dramatic, almost valid take on attention, which I really love. It created a really big contrast in the original version, and it made it interesting because a lot of the attention versions, acapella versions that I've listened to out there pretty much sound like a straight transcription of the song, which totally works for the song because the song is so catchy and the bass line is so prominent that it's a, it, I almost feel okay with it being a transcription because it just sounds awesome but they definitely took the dramatic ballad route and it totally worked um the video was directed by ryan parma and he has done a lot of stuff in the acapella world video wise and it is such a beautiful video um they did it in some kind of like warehouse um it looks like it might have been abandoned um but it was really cool it really matched the tone super moody of the arrangement of the song and yeah it was 
so simple yet so beautiful. And I highly recommend checking out that video out on YouTube. It is on there for your viewing pleasure. So again, this is Forte Acapella in their version of Attention by Charlie Booth. I know that dress is karma, perfume regret. It got me thinking about when you were mine. And now I'm all upon you, what you expect. But you're not coming home with me tonight. You just want attention. much for tuning in to Notable Coverage. Again, my name is Amanda Tran, and I would love to hear your thoughts and comments on Attention or any other songs you'd like me to cover on Notable Coverage here. You can at me on Twitter at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's at Amanda Tran, R-O-C-K-S, and I would love to hear from you guys. Thanks so much. Bye. Already know, already know, already know that you are. Mm-hmm. I know that trace is karma. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. And welcome back to Acapella. Hey everyone, we're back. Uh, John, myself, and Jared, and we've just been discussing a lot of interesting things about the whole audition process for acapella groups as well as backgrounds in high school and everything under the sun pretty much and so i wanted to kind of transition a little bit from what we were just discussing jared and kind of get into the meat of your freshman year being in an acapella group because everyone's uh first year in acapella group can be really different um and i just i'm curious as to you know what was that like for you? How did you balance, you know, the transition into college life as well as balancing a new music endeavor? How did you kind of marry the two together? Mm-hmm. So it, w- it wasn't that uncomfortable, or at least my first college experience wasn't that bad because I was so close to home. It was like an hour up the road. So um, that wasn't bad. Balance- balancing like schoolwork and acapella was tough, especially the second semester, just because finding your major, I was undeclared for a semester, so I was taking all like the core classes, all this stuff. So it was a lot of work piled up, but it, it was nice. And I'm uh, the choir director for U Chorus um, at Colorado State. Um, he was my, actually my high school director, and he left when I was a junior. So I knew him for the music program, and it was really comfortable getting into the music program because I was there almost every day for choir and acapella. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it, it was pretty comfortable being there. So you had like yeah. a home kind of already yeah. already built in. Yeah, that make that makes yeah, sense. Pretty much. Okay, so you were both in uh, both an acapella group as well as the university's music program. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh man, so that must have been a challenge. Was there was there ever any kind of pushback from from anyone in regards to doing the two? I know in some a lot of individuals acapella experiences, it's either acapella or the university. It's never the two. Um, how did those two function for you? Mm-hmm. Well, at least for me, I was able to do it because I didn't have a lot of music at me at all times. But all my friends, mm-hmm. they're all music majors. So they pretty much had to pick between U Chorus or 
acapella because they were in the chamber choir, the concert choir, and even the opera. They were in all of that, so they had a lot to balance. So um, they all sticked with acapella, which was great. Mm-hmm. That was all of our top priorities was all staying in that group. Um, and for me, I think I had the perfect balance of music and schoolwork with the choir. The choir was two days a week and Mount Horns was three days a week. So it, in total, it was five days of music, which was perfect for me because I love music. And it yeah. it was really nice having the music and the schoolwork and having the music just to fall back on after you're done with all the schoolwork. Yeah. And I think the trick to making this balance work is making sure that the rehearsals don't feel obviously they're a commitment and we do work, but I don't know, making sure you don't suck the joy out of them there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that helped because we had different kinds of rehearsals in that we had an hour rehearsal, an hour and a half rehearsal, and then sectionals and sectionals were very, those were 30 minutes long and it's okay. We are drilling notes right now and they, they were drilling notes, but it was also more casual. It was okay if we mm-hmm. like joked around a little bit more and got to just kind of do whatever for a little bit. Hour and a half rehearsals, we usually had like a five minute break right in the very middle. So there was a sense, there is an opportunity to refresh and keep going while also being mm-hmm. like, wow, we just got a lot done and we got a lot more that we're going to get done. So that one, might, I don't want to say the more fulfilling, but when we had really done the work and put it in in the sectionals it really paid off in the hour and a half rehearsal and then the hour rehearsal was kind of in between and it was more like okay where are we at with stuff we couldn't do quite as much like vocal building and like high intense tuning i mean we, you know we do what we needed to but it, those were sometimes more like check-ins like where are we with everything and because we had those three kind of models and especially the hour to hour and a half those differentiated more as we went on which was really great um I think it kept it feeling fresh. Whereas if it was one hour every day, same room, three times a week, the exact same procedure, I think it would start to feel more like work. And again, I think the whole thing that Jared mentioned about having a great social dynamic with the group made it feel refreshing. Because I had always come out of rehearsals, even if maybe it was a rougher musical run, it felt like Mm -hmm. it was always really fun because everyone was really funny and our personalities played off each other really well in that whether it was me being like kind of more strict and like okay guys we got to do this and then someone making a funny joke about it or whatever we all we found this really unique balance between we're getting work done while having a lot of fun and not take we took the music seriously but we didn't take ourselves too seriously so it felt fresh and that's why i think everyone was able to juggle it whereas if we were kind of bland and mechanical about it i don't think we could have handled it yeah. Yeah. And I like this whole idea that you're speaking of in regards to keeping things fresh. I think some people um, come into college acapella and they're looking for something different than what they've experienced before. And um, a lot of that has to deal with the structure. And I know a lot of high school programs are really structured and they're really rigid and they can be really intense. And I'm, I'm curious, Jared, um, you know, between the two of uh, your experience with the university's program as and then the Mountain Horns, did you have a preference? at all in regards to the way things are structured how did all that play out for you yeah um, acapella i definitely preferred more because um it's not like there's a professor like drilling notes in your head five days mm-hmm. a week um it's more laid back casual we had great communication for the facebook group chat that we had mm-hmm. so if something for rehearsal had to move a certain day we could get that done quickly um we were very flexible for everybody's schedules like everyone was balancing work personal life schoolwork all that stuff so it was tough for us to like find a 
rigid schedule, but it was kind of nice not having it because it mm-hmm. kept things new. We were in different rooms a lot, so we got to see how our voices sounded in different spaces. So it was. I definitely prefer the acapella way a lot more. I also think it's worth noting with the choir side of things in the university, uh, especially because it's what I'm going into with student teaching. Um, like that all comes out of necessity, like just in terms of like a school has to just like, all right, we want to have a choir. When does it meet? And it meets this time, uh, mm-hmm. all this time. And I totally get that. And I respect that because having a routine and we had a routine, but we were willing to change up the inner workings of the routine to better fit the music rather than just like, no, it has to be this. Like we would have times mm-hmm. where it's like, we went an extra like 10 minutes cause, and everyone was like, yeah, cause it was just super awesome. And I worry sometimes even about the um, school side of things, like what potential moments or developments or just like fun are we missing out on when we have yeah. to have it always two hour and a half rehearsals a week and that's it. There's only so many experiences you can fit into that amount of time. And when it's the same amount of time and you're sitting in the same place and you're in the same room, while that can feel again, more efficient, I worry that it is kind of like, Brian, what we talked about on an older episode about forcing groups through the acapella diet just to like expand different skill sets. And I'm just talking about just in terms of logistics here. Like if we're singing always facing this one way in the room, then we're going to get so used to that sound. But if we switch it, then all of a sudden we're hearing this sound and now we're exploring kind of our blind spots. And I think that's because acapella is inherently a more like quote unquote casual art because it's popular music and it is usually student run. We afford ourselves the opportunity to not lock into procedures. And because of that, while sometimes maybe we lose a bit of the efficiency, we get Mm -hmm. to experience more musical stuff, experience more formations, all this stuff that help us learn more about ourselves and how we can be better musicians so it's you know there's pros and cons to both sides and i think uh, jared that's a really good point like pointing out like why did you inherently enjoy this more and why was one more effective or at least more pleasing than the other yeah and i agree i think um i think acapella in its own nature lends itself a lot more to creativity not only in structure but the way you know the way you do auditions, the way you hang out socially. And I, I think it's a good point that you brought that up, that you only find out those things by experimenting. And yeah. so I'm, I'm just curious, Jared, you know, just speaking of creativity and trying out different things, you know, what what do you remember from the first year? Was there a memorable moment at all that stood out like, oh, that was that was a highlight of the year? Or what was, what was the fun part to you? Or what was a, a memory that you just hold on to from this first year of being in the group? When I brought donuts... Yeah, dude, definitely when John brought donuts. To I would do oh, that. Oh, man. No one ever brought donuts. In I'd only do it when we had like a long rehearsal or a bunch of stuff that we had to do. And I was like, all right. Like I'd have very little money. And I call up my dad and be like, hey, dad, I'm a 25-year-old college student. You need to put some money in my account so I can go buy donuts for my group. And he's like, well, that's a good idea. That's a good group motivation thing. And I was like, all right, cool. Sorry, Jared, nice. you can respond now. Okay. Um, so definitely the most memorable moment for me, I think, was when we performed for Slice, which was the organization oh, yeah. that pretty much let us be an acapella group. So mm-hmm. we performed in front of like 300 people in this big ballroom at the um, Lowry Student Center at CSU. First of all, we were all mic'd up, which was pretty new for us. Yeah. And I personally think it made us sound great. We could hear ourselves mm-hmm. so well. And we just killed it on stage and the crowd went wild and it was awesome. It was super fun. Well, yeah, I think it was at least 
at least two and a half to three years um, of me being in the group before we ever actually got individual mics at a performance. So that's pretty special. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the reason probably that was so satisfying was that was the very tail end of the year. That was our second Mm -hmm. or third, sorry, third to last performance. We had three performances that week and that was our first one. We only sang one song, but it was one of our, uh, as everyone likes to call our high numbers, uh, our big energy numbers. It was a banger. That's uh, when <laughs> they always called it that. And I never, I was always weirded out by that, but I know, uh, like Jared said, it was super satisfying performing for that many people and for slice, which is again, it's the, it's just the CSU like clubs administration, which said like, yeah, you can be a group. It was super satisfying for me in the sense that I had, there were so many like officials there. I had talked to like, Hey, how can I make an acapella group who had walked me through it? And they're like, yeah, I hope it goes well. And then I, you know, we go and become a group and then coming back at the end of the year and being like, Hey, I remember, I remember I went up to the woman who basically approved it and I was like, you let us be a group. This is so cool. And she was like, I'm glad I did because this is <laughs> what we get. And we sang uh, colder weather. They say in the first line, she'd trade Colorado if he'd take her with her. So it's a song about Colorado. It's a song that played to the audience and it was a space that worked for us. And we had all just eaten a bunch mm-hmm. of food because there was a bunch of free food. Everyone was oh. in a good mood. <laughs> And everything really lined up. And I think this is, again, just one of those things where everyone in the group just got such positive reinforcement. Like the stuff that we, because we had had those songs ready for about like two weeks, I think at that point. And then we were just reaping the benefits of it. And then the group morale just went up. And I remember I was worried, like, do we want to have like this performance? It was the day before our final or our, it was the day before our solo concert. And I was like, do we want to do this? And it just like hyped people up. And then going into the next night, everyone was in a great mood. They felt appreciated. And I think that's the big thing is like, does everyone feel like the work they're putting in is worth something? And I think it was. And I think from what Jared said, it's like, hey, this is really special. And consciously looking for these opportunities will make your group uh, not only feel more worthwhile, but just more satisfying. Yeah, and just speaking of satisfaction, Jared, did you feel by the end of the year that you had evolved as a musician at all? Was that something you were able to recognize or you feel like you're same place or how do you distinguish all of that? Yeah, I definitely feel like my voice evolved a lot more maturely. I definitely stay in tune a lot better because of the group. Being in an acapella group for a year, you're forced to listen to every part mm-hmm. to like to know if you're in tune, know what section of the song it is, know what time you're at. So it definitely made me more aware musically of what I'm doing and what I'm singing. Yeah, well said. Nice. I'm curious, Jared, so we talked about like your highlights of the year. What was the most unexpected experience you had in Mountain Horns? And I've asked this, I think I've had three or four Mountain Horns on in the past, like uh, in the past year. And I always ask them this. So I'm curious, what was your most, your biggest surprise in joining Mountain Horns? biggest surprise of probably joining mountain horns was like how real it was like how real collegiate groups can get and how much exposure they can get in the community i love that you said that because something i've talked about on this show before is the idea of making everyone buy into the group which in how i say Mm -hmm. it is making the group real that's why i had like a logo ready that's why i wanted posters up that's why i wanted like as many gigs as we could get because when and i'm sure brian you understand this when you're yeah. creating something, you just have an idea and you have to do things to get people to buy into it. And if they don't buy into it, 
the idea just doesn't come to fruition and it just crumbles. I had that. I remember I tried to start like two or three like small quartets in high school and in college before my other group, Timbermen, and no one really bought into the idea that the group was real. It was just like, oh yeah, we sometimes sing, but when you have these very tangible things like performances, logos, uh, names, slogans, like a Facebook page, it just, it's, it's creating a culture that yes, we take ourselves as an organization seriously. And when you take yourself seriously as an organization, others buy in and like Jared said it felt real so then therefore it feels worthwhile and then it's like okay it creates a cycle if it feels worthwhile you're going to work harder and then it works harder it becomes more real to people and that's huge and I think that just is what creators face in general when they're like I'm going to start this thing you want people to say oh wow John made a podcast or John made an acapella group rather than Mm -hmm. John tried to make this or John's like toying around with the idea it's like no I made this or this is something we all made this together. So it is real and therefore it is something and worthwhile. Yeah. And I I love everything you just said there because I honestly believe there's probably the biggest thing uh, or the most challenging and most difficult part about being a vocal group is getting buy-in at the end of the day. Because Mm -hmm. one, you don't have instruments. Two, a lot of times people bring up the big debate about covering other songs. Three, you know, just trying to deal with energy level and getting, um, you know, an audience just to buy in into what you're selling at the end of the day, it can be so challenging. And I think you hit it on the head when it's like, it has to come from within first, you know, if the the actors, uh, the musicians are buying into what they're pretty much selling at the end of the day, that is how you make things happen from a creative standpoint and from a performance standpoint. Absolutely. Uh, I can think of no better way to end the uh, second segment of this episode. We're going to transition it here really quickly over to Erin with her segment Across the Pond. And then we're going to be right back here on Tacapella where you can hear where to reach Brian, Jared, and I and uh, hear about all the fun acapella stuff coming up in the next few months. So we're going to be right back. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where every instrument is portable. Hello. You are listening to Erin on Acaville Radio. This is Across the Pond, bringing you the highlights of UK acapella from the year. So in previous weeks, we have had highlights on the UK acapella ball, on the semi-pro group collaborate. And this week, we have a very special guest in the studio with us. It's Mr. Rob Lindsay. Hello. Rob is from All the King's Men, correct? Yeah, yeah. Correct. All the King's Men, yeah. <laughs> um, and you've been in the group for four years. Yeah, yeah, four years. So through, yeah. this week, we're doing a highlight on All the King's Men, who are a staple of UK acapella. Oh, no. um, Rob, give me an overview of your experience with the group. Oh, well, yeah, I've been at... I'm coming to the end of my fourth year in the group. So yeah, I've been in it. The group's nine years old now, so I've been in it for like half of its existence. Okay, wow. Elder statesman. Yeah. <laughs> for real. No, it's amazing. Like the group's come on leaps and bounds since I've joined. When I first joined, we were like, we the well, first year I did ICAs, and then we've moved on. We did done Boston Sings, then we've done touring and Fringe. And it's just been yeah, it's been an incredible experience yeah. doing it for four years. Doing Boston Sings, like obviously that was a couple of years ago, but yeah. did that like highlight any of the differences between US and UK acapella? Yeah, it was it was really interesting actually because we what we competed with Vassar Devils, the G Men, so that was really cool because they do a very 
different style. The Vassal Devils set was just incredible. Like watching that set from mm-hmm. the audience, they were right. I think they were the group before us, which was completely following that was hilarious. But um, yeah, we tried to watching like some of the best American groups. Sort of, we literally looked at what they did and trying to like we took little things from like their set and how they performed on stage. What but, like specific differences would you have picked up on? Because like that, I find this really interesting. Because obviously, um, Ackerville Radio and Taco Bell is yeah. all American, so yeah. like actually figuring out the differences between the UK and the US in terms of acapella, I personally find really interesting. I think the main one was like the stage performance of it. It was like a huge like spectacle. Like watching sort of, like some of their choreo was so good, even though like some of it wasn't like, not all of it was like insane dancing, yeah. but like just the way they put themselves on the stage and sort of, and then the whole thing with Boss, because it was like, it's not just a competition set, it's like you've got to have narratives and yeah. you've got to have like messages in it. So their set i can't remember what their songs were but it was because it was such a long time ago but it was an incredible thing to watch because like they they really like they really just like wowed the audience yeah like, they their 12 minute set was just like everyone watched and they came on stage and they absolutely blew it out of the park and you're there going okay this is the best of american yeah acapella. we flying the flag of uk acapella really have to wrap our game <laughs> that was amazing because i remember them with your like posh British accent. Oh yeah, <laughs> we they did their set and then we came on for like because you had you did a big set and then you did one individual song. It's like a showcase, and we went on and did um, Bloodstream as our individual one. Yeah, and I think watching the other groups like Vassar and G Men, we were so pumped up, and then we went out and probably did one of the best performances I've like ever done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean seeing other groups really works well in terms yeah. of like inspiring you to do more. Yeah, it was the same with ICCAs. Yeah, like watching like SoCal's and like yeah. Nor'easters like absolutely crush it mm-hmm. I suppose it's the same with The Fringe yeah the Edinburgh Fringe which we've both just returned from yes and um, was a great experience and um, Aquapella and all the King's Men were on one after each it other was a, it was in the same theatre afternoon of an afternoon of Aquapella from 12 till 6 and I know um, all the King's Men have previously done longer runs but did yeah. you did you enjoy this year yeah it what, was re- what was your Fringe experience like oh yeah I think having done four Fringes you I've seen like ups and downs of like from like awful flyering on the mile like selling your show which i hate doing because i'm a really lazy flyer but um this run was amazing um just give me a brief overview of the edinburgh fringe because um i don't know if some listeners might not know what it is or when i joined the group i didn't know i didn't even know what the edinburgh fringe was and they were like we're gonna try to do it this year and i was like i have no idea edinburgh fringe is an enormous i think it's the biggest arts festival in the world i think it is been around for 75 years right I think it was set up um, just after the Second World War, and it's incredible. And you've got thousands and thousands of acts all doing what they love doing, from like weird expressionist yeah. theatre to dancing to music to comedy. Yeah. And then there's like now a developing like a cappella scene. So mm-hmm. a lot of the university a cappella groups from the UK. All there's so there. many of us so there. Many. We were really lucky because it was like it was us, you a cappella, a cappella, um, out of the blue. And then Oxford Natives, like literally, like it was really like really chill. Yeah. All at different times, no competition on the mile. It's great. But like, I think now there's so many of the other groups now for the second half because the fringe is for a whole month. It's like literally Edinburgh is overtaken by all the all the Scottish people run for the hills. Yeah, they're, they're like, like not see dealing, you. not dealing with all this. <laughs> um, what's been your personal highlight with the group? Ooh. And why? Um, pitch battle was really fun because I just love being on TV. Um, nah. Um, that Explain was, Pitch Battle. Pitch Battle was a BBC One show that was on last summer, mm-hmm. which was 
not it was partly celebrating acapella music but it was also celebrating just like general choir yeah. choral singing so they got loads of groups with loads of different genres and mm-hmm. we were one of the groups we were really lucky to get on um and we competed against some amazing opposition like we came against like we had a riff off with a enormous gospel choir from Portsmouth University yeah and they were so fun to riff off against and they're like it was and basically it was like basically it was like a knockout competition yeah. where you would like do riff offs like pitch per- perfect style was it weird watching it back on TV like seeing oh, yeah. yourselves it's so weird like you don't realise how you like present yourself on like mm-hmm. to other people until you like watch yourself back on TV yeah because obviously we like we watched it with like a microscope seeing how <laughs> but no it was it was an incredible experience we got to make, meet some like amazing artists we met people like Shaka Khan and Seal and Nick and Joe Jonas they were great Ooh. Will Young was great just drop Young. a name yeah just drop I, a name. I do it all the time literally. and um, just to wrap things up what what does the future hold for all the King's men what can it's a really bright future I like the guys we've brought in over the past two years like I've seen the group grow in the four years I've been in it and like I'm coming to the end but I think I've let, we've left the group the guys who have like really pushed it on at the time I've been there we've left it with such an amazing sort of foundation they like and the people like staying on the group the people who are now in charge are so ambitious where the group wants to go they want to do the coolest music with the most outrageous choreo and yeah so I'm, I'm so excited it's gonna be great for when I when I leave the group to like sit in the audience and watch it cause I'm gonna I know like, yeah. oh I'm I'm not looking forward to that it'll be so weird gonna, not gonna, being in it it's gonna be really hard like not jumping up on stage yeah that's gonna be fun they're probably gonna drag me up they really don't want me to leave but I'm like oh no, it's, they I'm, really don't want me no, to leave, please. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having This has me. been Across the Pond with Erin on Acapella Radio. Tune in next week for more on UK Acapella. Bye. You're listening to community-supported Acapella Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acapella.org. Acapella, where every instrument is portable. And we're back. As we wrap up this segment, uh, we have a running tradition on the show where we like to pick our guests' brains for one final thought. So, Jared, if you could offer one piece of advice um, in the realm of acapella to those looking to join a group, those currently in a group, or those who have had experience with a group, what would that piece of advice be? Um, My one piece of advice would be just to stick with it. Have confidence in your peers. Love what you're doing first and foremost. What you're doing could have a profound impact on somebody. Somebody in the audience watching could have a very emotional or profound experience about the art you're creating, and it can be beautiful. Well said. I want to get all of the, like, little pieces of advice people give out at the end of the episodes and just get them tattooed on my back. (laughs) <laughs> and uh and it's gonna be beautiful see that's how you ruin a beautiful moment uh yeah, jared, if, <laughs> jared if uh people want to get a hold of you how could they do that yeah so on twitter and instagram my handle is at jared zach j-a-r-j-a-r-e-t-z-a-c-c <laughs> sorry i can't spell right now but that's where you can find me you can find the mountain horns at um on Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at, at @mountainhorns, and you can find us on Facebook at uh, CSU Mountainhorns. And yeah, oh, that was so satisfying for me to hear all of those listed out because I made those things and I wanted to get all the handles. I'm done. <laughs> all right, Brian, t- you talk now. Where do, where do we find you? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
now that I'm actually actively using Twitter more, follow me on Twitter at at Brian, B-R-I-A-N underscore A05. And as usual, always go and support the different channels I manage with College Acapella. He's much better at spelling than me. Dude, he's, <laughs> it, Brian, that's the only reason I invited him to be a co-host. I messaged him and I was like, Brian, you're a crappy you're guest. A you don't speak well. <laughs> you're know. probably a terrible singer, but man, do, can you spell? I have um, nothing else I can spell. <laughs> and then everyone, you can find me at John Lampus, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S on Twitter and Instagram. Check me out. I tweet about acapella and superhero movies and pretty much nothing else. And also be sure to follow the station at Acaville Radio on every possible social media platform. Jared, thanks for joining Brian and I today. It was super fun yeah, to thanks. have uh, another mountain horn on, uh, another friend on, and it was super great to get to discuss mountain horns also with Brian. Um, just kind of dig into the social nuances of these experiences we've all had that are all different, but also similar in, uh, in some fun ways. So thank you again, sir. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And everyone, that is our show. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Tacapella. We'll have a new one next week. And for everything acapella, please stay tuned. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media. Hello, my name is Lisa Hawkins, and welcome to Tacapella's new mini-segment, Asking for Directions. In this short segment, I'll talk about ways music directors, business managers, presidents, or anyone in any sort of leadership position in acapella can improve their group. And even if you aren't in a leadership position, maybe I can give some tips to help you out or ideas that you can bring to the table for your group. So today, we're going to talk about how to effectively plan out a rehearsal. And this will be more for the MDs or music directors of groups. But I think more often than not, it's easy for the MD to walk into a rehearsal and just flip through the music and wing it. I know this because I did this my first year. It's easy to trust that you're talented enough to read the music and teach it and that very well may be true, but in the long run it can be very inefficient and prevent your group from reaching its full potential because as the MD you're not reaching your full potential. And no matter how amazing of a musician you are, a music director, conductor, what have you should always come prepared to a rehearsal. So let's talk about what that means. So from the very beginning, before you even start rehearsing a song, I highly recommend creating a general plan for the entire teaching cycle of the song and what that means is like when should the piece be entirely learned when should it be entirely memorized or when should it be performance ready like have a timeline of goals and when you want to reach them this helps you keep track of how the group is doing and it can also keep track of how you're doing as an MD you can see that your group is either behind or ahead based on these dates and goals and if you aren't reaching these goals in times maybe you should rethink your teaching strategy and sometimes I ask my singers hey like what can I do to to make this easier for you. And you might be surprised how many of them have really cool ideas and how many of them actually end up working that you would have never thought of yourself. Then once the rehearsal starts, think about all the musical things like notes, rhythms, text, articulation, dynamics, the list goes on. And we can break those down in more detail another day. But 
I call these layer concepts and they're very important because it can help you break down a song for your singers and make it easier for them to compartmentalize. So when you're doing this, make sure you identify the most tricky parts of the songs, whether that be rhythm or notes, etc. And think about those layers. For example, if a song has a very tricky rhythm in comparison to the notes, maybe break down the rhythm in sections and make sure you have those down before you even start tackling the notes. And when you do this, the singers will really appreciate that you have a strategy or direction of mine because honestly your singers will know if the MD is unprepared. So something I always tell music directors is type out a detailed schedule for each rehearsal like to the minute. And that sounds a bit extreme, but trust me, it is so helpful, not only for your singers, but for you. This helps you stay on track in the rehearsal and decide if you have spent too much time or something or you haven't spent enough time on something. And it helps you decide when to move on. So decide what you want to accomplish, how you want it to be accomplished, and how much time will be allotted for it before each rehearsal. And it really helps me to write down some exercises that'll help the group when I anticipate reaching a difficult part in a song, like breaking down the rhythm and how I'm going to do that. And that really helps your rehearsal flow. Also, keep in mind, even if you plan a schedule down to the minute, you very well may throw that out the window once you actually start rehearsing, and that's totally okay, but at least you have that to reference to at least make sure that you're getting enough done in that rehearsal time. So think about those things and keep track of the time you have because we all know time in rehearsal is always a battle in the most valuable resource that we have. And when performances come along, there never seems to be enough time. So to wrap this up, one, have a timeline of goals for your songs and when you want to reach those goals. And two, think about the layer concept and identify what the trickiest parts of each song may be. And three, write out a detailed schedule for each rehearsal and bring it with you to reference. So that's all I have for this week, but if you have specific questions, I would love to hear them so I can answer them. You can post them on Akaville social media sites with the hashtag Akaville or hashtag asking for directions, or you can reach out to me personally on Facebook or Instagram. Again, my name is Lisa Hawkins, and thanks for joining me on this week's mini segment of Asking for Directions. She trade Colorado if he'd take her with him. Closes the door before the winter lets a cold in. And wonders if her love is strong enough to make him stay. She's answered by the daylights shining through the window said I want to see you again but I'm stuck in colder weather maybe tomorrow will be better can I call you then can I she said you're a rambling man and you ain't ever gonna change you got a gypsy soul to blame and you were born for leaving at a truck stop diner just outside Lincoln The night was blacker than the coffee he was drinking And then the waitress eyes as sees the same old light is shining He thinks of Colorado and the girl he left I want to see you again But I'm stuck in colder weather Maybe tomorrow will be better Can I call
Can't wait till then. 